Hello and welcome to Football Masterminds, the show where we attempt to say intelligent things about football. Today we don't have our host or co-host of the show, Reese. He's out because he works 12 to 8 in a different city and he's still been producing content with us, but today he had to work and he couldn't be with us. But there's a surprise for us today and that is... Russell Thoe. Russell is back with us for one episode and he's going to be coming on, I think sporadically, but we'll convince him to come on for every show and let's see how that goes. But Russell, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thanks so much, Kasi. Hey, Dover. Um, I am back, everybody. Just like how Ronaldo returned to May United, I've returned to Football Masterminds. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have returned. Uh, and uh, some updates about me. You won't be hearing about Barcelona from me. Um, you'll be hearing a lot more about PSG. Uh, I have fully converted to PSG. Um, no reason, just cause I like people can speculate why, but you know uh, they won't know the truth. They won't know why, but I support PSG. This is what it is. So nice. And recently, as always, we have Daverzis. I'm always just here to simp for Lukaku. You know, that guy, he's my boy, he's my god, he's everything I have ever dreamed of seeing, and he's beautiful. So I'm just going to be pitching him, like, throughout this podcast. <laughs> That's my role. <laughs> Anyone listening out there and is close to Lukaku, please let him know that we have a simp for him. If he's into brown guys who are <laughs> average height, <laughs> and other things about him are also average, I won't go into details, but <laughs> but anyway... All right, let's get this show on the road. We're going to start with the match that was talked about the most this weekend. And it's not United's game. It's actually Leicester versus Man City. City sneaked a 1-0 win past Leicester. They had obviously more possession in 61% compared to 39 of Leicester. They had more shots, almost quadruple times more shots than Leicester, they had 25. Leicester had six. They had eight shots on target compared to Leicester's one. But Leicester had some great chances. Iheanacho was through on goal. Vardy was through on goal. None of them could score. Russell, I'll go to you first. How do we feel about this game? I think it was always Ben City's to lose, to be honest, because this is not the first time that we've seen this type of performance. Um, I think usually when Man City play Leicester, Man City actually do win. Um, I know for a fact they won their past two games. Um, but Leicester always makes Man City work hard and I think right now Man City actually have a problem because they're kind of struggling to score goals they seem to keep a lot of possession as usual they play really good football it's beautiful they're passing creating chances is amazing and they're very creative but just getting that one like number nine Ronaldo type of player to put it in I think that's kind of like their problem but if I was a Man City fan I wouldn't stress too much because I know that Against Leicester, they played their B team. Um, just looking at the bench, their bench itself is so strong. Um, Riyad Mahrez, Phil Foden, De Bruyne, Fernandinho, and Raheem Sterling. You hit I a good think, point yeah. there because mm-hmm. Jesus has been playing on the right, and we've commented on the show that the right wing probably suits his style a bit more, and Fernand Torres isn't playing through the middle. I uh, am not sure if that's their B team anymore. I think that's their team that is preferred. Sterling has been coming off the bench for the most part, along with Mares as well. I know Dubrana is injured, and Pep actually said in his press conference that he needs some more time to recover from the injury. 
So I'm not sure if that's the B team, Davr. What do you think? Yeah, honestly, I feel like this is just City's thing where they're just the masters of controlling the play, right? Like they will control the possession. There's they're going to control the flow of the game, and they're just going to bombard you with fuck ton of chances, right? And eventually something is going to go in. So like you need to defend against something like that. Um, I yeah, like I I don't think this is the B team. I think um, it really also doesn't matter because they're all just so good at replacing each other in the various positions they're taking that you know this this is expected but however in that game i do think city was kind of lucky in the sense that they they had like lester had some decent chances um Vardy was like through on goal he had he, it was a pretty harsh offside call honestly i think but yeah, as for City, like this is just a thing. This is just like you know routine, another day of the week kind of thing where they're just gonna go dominate the game and grind out the win. I think that's totally fair because City did have 25 shots and eight on target, and the keeper had to do a lot of things to make sure that it was nil-nil for the time being that it was. It's just my annoyance from City comes at the fact that is this really how it has to be? Like, is this really how it has to be? Nobody can control possession against them. I don't know. What do you need to do? Which team do you need to be to actually control possession against a team like City? I don't know how you do that, but there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way that some team can control the possession against Manchester City. See, the thing about Man City is that it's a fact that they have just superior players all around. And it's a fact that they play really good football. And we see from time to time that, you know... Some teams that come in um, being so-called the underdogs, they actually beat Man City because they can counter their so-called possession-based game. Some teams defend very well and they grind out that 1-0 win. However, I do feel that there are teams out there that can definitely beat Man City or maybe be on par with them on a possession-based game. One example is Liverpool on their strongest. Um, Another example is Barcelona still. Barcelona have very good possession. Um, Still, like Barcelona, like this day, Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, even this day, they they have possession. However, their attack is very poor. So, if you watch them, it, it's also the same as Spain back in the Euros. It's like they pass it out wide, back to mid, out wide, back to mid. But if you really digest their style, you don't really see them creating important chances. So. Yeah, I, I think what's effective about Man City is that number one, they have possession, and number two, they make the most out of it. Sometimes, yeah, it's hard. Like they don't get that player to just put the ball in. I think if I think if Ronaldo actually went to Man City, like it's completely game over. I'm not too sure whether PSG is capable of matching Man City's possession-based game, but time will tell. It's not all possession. Like you could beat City without ha- controlling possession, right? Like Chelsea did that in the Champions League final, right? They're not controlling that game. And they went in as underdogs, but like they made use of their chances. They the the goal that they scored was like what, four or five passes, something like that, right? Like it's about quick attacking moves and like that's something that can shock like City system, right? Yeah, that's I think that's that's really it with City. It's hard to control possession, but if you're quick in your transition, you can't beat them. It's just you cannot be like Vardy and Iheanacho and Barnes missing three golden chances to get you level. Yeah. That's something that cannot happen against Man City because you're only going to get those two or three chances. And we see there's so many teams, especially lower in the table, 
And yeah. the only other thing I wanted to talk about on this game is that there was a tackle by Rodri which got a yellow card. I can't exactly remember who it was, who was on, but I think it was on Telemans. What did you guys think of that tackle? And if you remember it, because I know it was a, a couple of days ago, but just imagine Xhaka's tackle. That was more or less what Rodri's tackle was. And he got a yellow card for it. Now, this whole red card, yellow card for tackles that are front-footed, meaning face-up, stud-showing, onto a leg that's in and around the sort of um, below the knee area around the shin. Shouldn't they all get red cards? How I understand subjectivity and that's every referee's prerogative. Like every referee has its own thing and they do decisions according to their own understanding of the game. But I don't know, like there should be some sort of steadiness within red cards because that really affects the game, right? I think there is a lot of subjectivity there. And this is something that's just like consistent throughout football, right? It's like an existing thing that's going to be there where refs are influenced by so many factors, like, you know, on the home ground and like... Jaka's temperament. Yeah, player temperaments, how like the team, you know, like how the team has been treating him throughout the throughout the game. So there's a lot of subjectivity there, but but yeah, I agree. Something like that needs to be like hammered down that like, okay, you know, studs first, that's just straight red. See, the problem is that what referees fail to notice is that momentum is actually a thing and they don't know how it feels like to actually. Well, I think some referees don't. They don't know how it feels like to actually play the game and see themselves in the actual situation. Now, if I go and kick the ball, naturally my feet, my foot is going to follow and I might just catch the person's leg because he got the ball before I did. I don't even know whether that should have been a red card because if I see myself in that position, there's nothing I can do. That player just won the ball before I did and my leg just followed through. And I didn't intend to do it. What I think is that if it's something like that, then it kind of should be a yellow card. Russell, you and I have both refed, right? And yeah. what Daver said about being subjective to the team based on mm-hmm. home game and which team is putting you under more pressure, which team is on your backside, on your ass about yeah. all decisions that you're making. Mm-hmm. Is that Did that ever affect you? Because I'll be honest on this show that gets a few listeners, so people might be mad at this, but it always affected me. For sure, show your displeasure in the fact that you could come talk to me, your captain come talk to me, and I will keep that in mind. But some players, you know, are so rude. They start shouting at you, mm-hmm. shouting at your mothers that don't even live in the same country. <laughs> you know, yeah. like all those things get really on your mind. So if there's something like that that's happening, obviously, if I have a chance to give somebody between a yellow and a red, that's in the back of my mind always. Did that ever happen to you? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, sometimes. Um, I think even in real life, like in Premier League and competitive games, like referees, the decisions that they make are also run by emotion. Like Darwin mentioned, like home ground, uh, the type of player that tackled the the, the person and, and stuff like that. Look, if, if Sergio Ramos were to do that, it's most likely going to be a red card. If Jordan Henderson or if Lionel Messi were to do something like that, I don't think it's going to be a red card because I do agree. Yeah, there is some emotion and subjectivity. Be- now to answer your question, yes, if there is a player that I was refereeing who is just genuinely like they were sorry, they just couldn't control it didn't have the ability to react fast and move their leg away and they just caught the person they didn't mean to, yeah, I, I would just give them a yellow card. I, I don't think I'll give them a red card at all. But if there's somebody who has always been angry at me and yelling at me, I can get biased. 
And so whenever the player does something even small, I will use that chance to give that player a red card. But that's that's just me. <laughs> it's totally fair. So moving on from that game to the game that I think most EPL fans were most excited about was United versus Newcastle, the return of Ronaldo. And my God, he had some return. He scored a brace against Newcastle and they beat them 4-0, I believe, or it was a 4-1. I think Jesse Lingard scored. Bruno Fernandes hit uh, from a box Smithley 30 yards out, a belter into the top left corner. How did you guys feel about Ronaldo's return to United? And are we scared? We support Liverpool and Chelsea. Honestly, yeah, as a Chelsea fan, I'm just going to say it. That was actually, that was both terrifying and fucking amazing. It was literally like watching a movie, you know? It, It just seemed like this fairy tale story where like it's his first day back both of his goals were yeah he scored them from like within 10 yards but they were nice you know they were they were like poachers goals and just the way the stadium did the whole sue right that was so i think russell we need a sue from you (laughs) 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 see well i i got many things to say about the match number one obviously it's extremely magical it's fairy tale it's movie like and just to think about it, like Ronaldo, he left Manchester United to go to Real Madrid in 2009. It's been 12, yeah, it's been 12 years. There are some children who watch football that have never seen Ronaldo live in Man United. That's actually crazy. Yeah, so just crazy. to think about how a 36-year-old, right, one of the greatest ever, comes back to Man United. And right now, he, I think he's looking like he can be one of the best players in the Prem. If not, probably the best best striker, right? Easily. I think Man United fans have something to be happy about. If, and I hope, <laughs> Man United don't win the Premier League or Champions League or anything because they're obviously a rival club. It's still something amazing to look at. You know, the value that Ronaldo brings to the club as a whole. He unites people together. It's still something to be happy about. Yes, I'm a bit worried, but then they lost today. So, and they lost to the young boys. <laughs> Uh, in fact, young boys made man. They made Man United look like young boys. So I, I don't know. Young boys making other teams looking like young boys. That's interesting. The game itself was. Man, honestly, they just freaking slap United around. As yeah. soon as that red card happened, like before the red card, okay, like United were pretty good, but they just completely collapsed after that red card. Yeah. The game itself, the United Newcastle game. I think they had ten people at minimum, ten people behind the ball at most times. I think it was all because of Greenwood's shot that the goal happened. I, I don't know where United would be without Mason Greenwood and his magical left foot and right foot. It's crazy because he shoots the ball with precision and he shoots it hard. It's very difficult for keepers to judge where the shot's going to go, which leg he's going to use, which makes him even more explosive and hard to deal with. And he shoots it point blank from any angle and it'll at least test the keeper which makes him such a great player we knew what would happen with Ronaldo coming back Ronaldo would claim that number nine spot for sure but it was interesting in the fact that he still got his shot away from the right wing and led to that first goal but Ronaldo's second goal again he ran at I think 32 kilometers per hour or 22 miles per hour or something ridiculous like that for the second goal at 36 year old he's an insane athlete the other thing about Ronaldo that was came out of, after this game was he was supposed to be interviewed by Sky Sports and they couldn't interview him for an hour because right after the game, 
and his you know initial sort of talk with the reporters he went into an ice bath for an hour that's something that he always does <laughs> and he will always do it's just insane <laughs> that a guy's a absolute machine and he doesn't care about who's report who the reporter is what they come from he needs to do his recovery he's going to do it right he's going to kill it for the team that's his whole mentality he's a mentality giant at 36 he's a fitness genius at 36 another weird story that came out that's also interesting is there were players that usually have dessert after the game on a friday or something like that and he did not have the dessert so you saw nobody having dessert after that like he is setting standards that are beyond these people's imaginations ice bats right after the game no dessert like he is he's an insane machine and i think if ronaldo can inspire this young relatively youngish team to become machines then i'd be really really scared of them at least in the league it's 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 crazy just just like russell said right like he's 36 and he this is one of the best premier league seasons that has ever happened like there's so many amazing teams and at 36 he's easily like top two players right now no question which is mad that premier league is the highest level of league football best season ever and he's still at 36 one of the best that's incredible honestly like that that's why i keep saying that ronaldo is the goat you know he is actually the goat he's fighting words for russell will, right um yeah he's i mean yeah, yeah. Sheer will, man. it's it's incredible mm-hmm. like he, he is so so of freaking course. good yeah I, I i mean like i've had debates about like who's the greatest of all time for me like in terms of greatest of all time the best metric to measure if we want to actually talk about quantifiable metrics, it's obviously like the individual awards. Because I always say that team tro- team trophies are won by teams, individual trophies are won by individuals. Like I don't get me wrong, I, I'm a big like I I do like Ronaldo, I respect him, but my grace of all time would be Messi and just like this would probably be another conversation, but it's pretty much because like he's won the most Ballon d'Ors, he won the most European golden shoes. And also, that's that's a fact. Like he actually won like the the best player of the decade by this organization. I'm not sure what they are. It's something like statistics federation committee, some something like that. The the second player that's that so, comes. That's really interesting. But yeah. go on, yeah. So yeah, Diego Maradona actually got about 60, 70 percent of like first place, like goats in all these like credible articles written by like ex like expert journalists out there. Second would actually be Pele, and then third would be Lionel Messi, and Cristiano Ronaldo would have none. Um, I'm still yet to find an article by like a proper journalist or whoever, any writer, that would put Ronaldo as number one. The furthest that Ronaldo actually got, like the best ranking in the GOAT, uh, so-called like best players of all time, is actually number four. That means he's, he's always behind Maradona, Pele, and Messi. Honestly, it's all preference. I think we all can agree. It's all preference. Like, Messi... Yeah, it is definitely... It's all preference. Like, they are both completely different players. And that's fair. Like, no, like, it's definitely fair that they would say Pele and Maradona. But, like, to that, I'd also say that, you know, like, it's... It is is different. It is definitely a harder game now than it is... Than it was back then. Like, there's there's probably no question about that. Um, But even that being said, you know, like... Yeah, I I think like for sure in that context, Messi and Ronaldo are like the best ever. The the two of them, I think they are better than Pele and Maradona, um, just because it's harder now. And and they have like crazier records, right? Like 
I mean, yeah. Pele spent his whole career in Brazil, which, but like, come on, Messi and Ronaldo are playing the highest level of football right now, and they're still doing it amazingly. Yeah, um, I, they're yeah. definitely top two, but I would also say that you know Messi also has a little bit of a gift, right? Like he's, mm-hmm. he's just a little magician. Um, like I, I'm just gonna say this, right? Like it's not super impressive if like the if like the six four guy with washboard abs is getting laid, but it's really impressive if the five six fat dude is getting laid a lot, you know? So, <laughs> so that, that's what it is in a sense. Like Ronaldo, he he started off like really rough. He was good at football, but like you know, if you hear interviews of all his United teammates, they're like in the beginning he was terrible. His shots would never come on target. He was kicking it all over the place, but like he would always practice, right? Whereas on the mm-hmm. other hand, you have Messi, who was picked up by Barcelona at the age of nine, right? Like mm-hmm. one of the best clubs in the world is picking this kid up at nine because why? Like he's freaking nine years old, bro. Like there's something there, right? And then they yeah, yeah. they really, like developed him. So I, I'm just saying that like. Messi did have a lot of advantages, and he does have a little bit of, of gift. I know that's like not a very factual thing to say, but Ronaldo is just a machine, right? Like he is there mm-hmm. because he has a force of will that is, I I want to be the best, right? Like he's he just wants to be at the top, and he trains for it. He his mentality is for it, right? And like wherever he goes, he just wants to be the best, right? And, and like Kasi said, he sets the standards for the rest of the team, right? Um, so yeah, it's it's it, it, but at the end of the day, is def- definitely very subjective. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. let's end it at this. Uh, it's <laughs> subjective to choose between Ronaldo and Messi. Messi had a gift, and that's why he is where he is. So it'll be interesting to see at the age of 36, 37, what happens to Messi. Is he still the same level of player like Ronaldo is, coming back to the hardest league known to football and performing like Ronaldo is and will be? Or not. Moving on, we wanted to cover obviously Chelsea versus Villa because Saul Niguez Ooh. made his debut and that was interesting. <laughs> Lukaku scored again and that Ooh. was Davers. Da- yeah, Davers is in for Lukaku, so obviously he wants to comment on that. So Daver, what did you think of Chelsea's <laughs> impressive 3 0 win against Man, Villa? It's so nice. It feels so good. Like, I, I was literally on the edge of my seat when Kovacic gave that through ball to him. Like, I was literally having flashbacks of Werner being through on goal, Morata being through on goal, Torres being through on goal, you know? Just everything was coming back to me. And then he was so calm. He was so collected. When he scored that, it was... Uh, and then the second one as well, that one was just amazing. It was, like, one of the best finishes ever. And the commentator even said, that's that's the difference between like a good striker and a world class striker, right? And Lukaku mm-hmm. is easily one of the deadliest strikers in the world right now. And to have him at Chelsea, it's 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 amazing, man. He is he is the cutting edge that we have needed this whole time. He literally completes the team. Yeah, Sa- Saul had his debut. Debut. It, it might not have been the best, like you know, first game in the Premier League coming from La Liga. That's a very common thing that everyone. I think experiences, that's fine. Like, it, it didn't even matter, right? Like, Chelsea didn't even flinch. Kovacic was amazing. Mendy was amazing. Um, and everyone around them, like, they just know their roles so well. And they're so comfortable. And they trust each other so much. Like, slowly, like, as we saw today with Aspilicueta, like, finding uh, Lukaku for that goal against Zenit, the, the team is now starting to realize that we have someone that we can just depend on up front and he is going to do it for us. Just give him the ball. 
I think as as that mentality sets in, Chelsea are just only going to get better from here. That's a really good point because I think it was the second EPL review show where we talked about Lukaku and his return. And I said something along the similar lines, which was Aspilicueta saw Lukaku open and he, Lukaku was asking for the ball on his left foot. But playing with Werner and playing with all these strikers up front that cannot hold the ball, the team wasn't used to it. And now I'm seeing more and more that he gets the ball and he gets to hold the ball and he can do it. And the team is becoming more and more confident. Although on that game, I'll say that Villa had a fair share of chances. They had more shots, more shots on target. I think Mendy was, Mendy showed what his worth that game. Mendy really pulled out his A game. He made some incredible saves, one-on-ones from far. He did everything to keep Chelsea in the game. I think Chelsea looked a little bit shaky in the back. And that was a lot to do with Sal Miguez and his debut. And I'll say this on Sal Miguez. He seems like a decent player, but he needs to grow and needs to grow really quick because similar to Thiago at Liverpool, you realize as soon as you come into the Premier League in midfield, you don't have time at all. You can make time. You can try and make time. That's what Thiago has been getting better at. But Sal needs to learn that really quick. You do not have the same level of time that you had in La Liga. This is a completely different animal. Premier League is way too quick, physical. It's everything that La Liga is not. And you cannot dilly-dally on the ball. You have to make the pass or make a turn or shimmy or something. Otherwise, somebody's going to nick it. Definitely agree with both of you. I think Saudi, yeah, Saudi guess is definitely a very good player. I think he just wanted to overdo it in that game because it's like debut, you know, he's playing for one of, if not the best team in the world, which is Chelsea. And he just wanted to impress a lot. But obviously that backfired. So I don't really have problems with Saul. I think he will, he just needs to be given time. Maybe he needs to sit down yeah, and say like, awesome. yeah, and just sit down and say like, okay, what I did was not right. Time to change my game. Time to pass more. Time to, you know, be more calm and don't overdo it. Romelu Kaku, by the way, Dover, I think Romelu Kaku has a very, very strong claim to PFA Player of the Year. Number I one, agree. Yeah, because number one, I think that he is the best player in Chelsea. Number two, I think that Chelsea... Yep. I would put Chelsea alongside Man City as the top two favorites for the Premier League. And the thing about Man City is that every single player is good. Nobody truly, truly stands out. Yes, Kevin De Bruyne stands out, but he's always been like, he plays for like 20, 20, 25 games in a Prem. I don't think they're going to give it to him for the third time in a row. Um, I mean, he missed the start of the season. City were still like, didn't miss a beat, right? Yeah, they didn't miss a beat. And look, it's not, it's not Kevin De Bruyne's fault that Messi is just so good. It's just that like, it's, it's a lot easier to give somebody the PFA player of the year if they are like the clearest standout out of everybody and I think Lukaku is that player I I think as we're speaking right now I think Lukaku really is one of the best players and um, the other guy I'm talking about um, Mateo Kovacic amazing player 100% okay look I don't know him very well as a player but based on what I saw on that game against Aston Villa I can very well say that he's way better than overrated Jorginho. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Back to this. How Jorginho won all those trophies. It's it's really interesting. I was surprised he won both like uh, like UEFA European Player of the Year, right? Kovacic is like he he's got more of that attacking edge to him. You know, mm-hmm. he's got a little bit of that uh, that nice little flair. You know, like right before giving the pass to Lukaku, he like deked two players uh, to get free. So I think ideally the best combination would be Kovacic and Kante because Kante is like 
so good defensively and Kovac is so good offensively. Like I think that's ideal. But yeah, it's uh, I, I agree with you for sure. Yeah, see the problem is that you know just a year or two ago, Jorginho would have been called an underrated player, but right now because we talk about him so much that he's now overrated. So and obviously like I think the general public. Uh, maybe including Chelsea fans as well, I'm not sure, but we know that he won the UEFA Player of the Year because he won all of UEFA's awards. He won the Champions League, he won uh, the Euros, and he won the Super Cup, right? But, yep. I I mean, yeah, the UEFA Player of the Year is a bit like weird because who really knows what the criteria is? For me, like, Lionel Messi has been the best player in the year. Like, just naturally, he was the best. But the thing is, in the UEFA Player of the Year, I mean, he didn't even play in the UEFA Euros. So that's... So what, yeah. really, what really is the criteria? And for me, Jorginho is a good player. He's not a great one. He's a good player who was in great teams at the right place, right time. So... Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you know? that's what it is. Um, that's, that's, that really is what it is. Jorginho is... I wouldn't say lucky because you don't get that far in life by just being lucky, yeah. but Jorginho has been quote unquote lucky to be at the right teams at the right time of his career that he's doing things that are needed by the teams. It's similar to Chelsea under Conte when there were certain players like your left back, uh, left wing back, and I'm totally blanking on that. Victor Moses. Oh, Victor, Victor Moses. Moses. Oh, okay. Yeah. Victor Moses was a wing back that used to play for, uh, for Conte. Right. Yeah. And he is not in the scene anywhere. He's not a great player. He's not one of the top six in any leagues. Right. And that's the that's the thing about these players. If you don't get under the right manager, you'll never be as good of a player that you could have been. I, and I truly believe that about Jordan Henderson, too. Henderson's a great captain, a great leader. But technically, his dribbling and his ball control isn't the best. But he gives his heart, his heart out. And the best thing is he plays for Jurgen Klopp. On, uh, all Jurgen Klopp wants it's a little bit of skill and that you leave it all on the pitch and that you, you you run your heart out and your lungs out. And that's what Jordan Henderson does. And that's why he, he's won almost everything there is to win in terms of club football, right? So it really depends on who you're playing against and what type of player you are. We have about 10 minutes left on this show. So we'll move it along to a quick comment on Crystal Palace versus Tottenham. Crystal Palace won 3-0 against a 10-man Tottenham. Nuno's Fantastic start to the season comes to an end. I felt like this game, when where Nuno made some changes and played a little bit more attacking, I believe, a little bit higher up the pitch, especially with two injured players in Bergwijn and Son, wasn't the best idea. But when they got the red card, they were completely demolished. And it was really sad to see because I always think about Tottenham as Harry Kane. And Harry Kane decided, quote-unquote, against his will to stay on the team and when they lose against a Patrick Vieira Crystal Palace side, which I'm not saying is a bad side, but it's definitely worse than Tottenham or should be. It's just sad to see. I think Tottenham have been pretty lucky winning the first three games. Um, and of course, you know, good teams. If you're good, luck just comes. That's always luck in everything for sure. But um, I think I wasn't even that surprised to see that Crystal Palace won because I'm, think, I'm thinking that Son has been their best player so far this season. Um, I think he's done really well, and he's like sort of sort of carried them because I think he scored two winners. So Tottenham won one nil three times, and he scored one nil for both. I think one was against Man City as well. But um, Son wasn't playing, and I think they really lost that gem of a player. 
I think Son to Tottenham is pretty much like what Salah is in Liverpool and probably like, you know, like Ronaldo and Lukaku are to um, Man United and uh, Chelsea. I dare say that actually Son in some days can actually be better than Harry Kane. Um, but that's just a personal opinion. So, yeah, I think um, losing, losing Son is definitely one of the events that made them lose. Um, and the red card as well, that obviously was, yeah, unfortunate. I guess the last thing we wanted to cover on the show was young boys versus Manchester United in the UCL because talking about Barcelona versus Bayern and Barcelona getting their ass handed to them isn't particularly taken well by one of the people on the show. I won't name who, Russell, you. But let's just quickly comment on how young boys really did dominate Manchester United. I saw the game and I thought that after... After they went down to 10 men and Juan Bissaka's tackle again, similar to Xhaka, similar to Rodri's, different interpretations. He got a red card. I think totally deserved red card as well. It's just looking at United and them being not destroyed, but them not being able to do anything after that red card for the most part was really a wake-up call to all of us supporters because we saw that, you know, maybe everybody raving about United and Ronaldo isn't, isn't the same as we thought. I think the problem with Manchester United, and is, this is also something that a lot of my friends say as well, and they support Man United, is that uh, Fred and McTominay are the problem. Because when Man United got Ronaldo, they were saying that doesn't really solve anything. Yes, it does make the team better because they're going to get maybe an extra 10 goals a season. But the underlying factor is that the midfield is quite poor, especially the CDMs. So today, Fred and Van der Beek played and they didn't particularly have really good games. It's not only their fault, at least like half the team didn't really have good games, but unfortunately, yes, Aaron Wan-Bissaka got a red card. That actually damaged Man United as a whole, but I think really, really good, in my opinion, really good teams, when they're up 1-0 against teams from, I don't know where Young Boys is, Switzerland. I think they're from Switzerland. Um, yeah. Switzerland, yeah. You know, you're a top team. You're Man United you are arguably one of the best teams in the Prem, okay? And you're 1-0 up, you have Ronaldo, you have Pogba, Bruno, whoever. And you're 1-0 up, and your right back gets a red card, and you crumble against um, young boys. Now, I think that really good teams would have just seen out the 1-0 win. I think Chelsea would have saw the 1-0 win. I think Man City would have as well. So Like Chelsea I think, did against Liverpool when they went down to 10 men. They really did. Yeah, see they, out that 1-1 draw, right? So it's any predictions for tomorrow's game. We have Real versus Inter Milan, Atletico Porto, and Liverpool versus AC Milan. I think Liverpool win 2-0. I think Real beat Inter 1-0. And then I think Atletico beat Porto 3-0. Any, any takers on this, Pat? I, Atletico, I agree. Real, I think that, that might be a draw. I'd say 1-1 there. And Liverpool are going to comfortably win, I'd say, 3-0, probably. I think Liverpool comf- comfortably wins 3-1. Mm, yeah, three, three, uh, I think Real... Okay, I think Real Madrid actually goes into the Champions League as a dark horse. I think they are actually a pretty good team. I think they will... I think they actually will win the La Liga. So, uh, Real Madrid is a good team. I think Real will win. Uh, my new favourite club... All-time favorite club, PSG. <laughs> uh, they play Club Bruges from Belgium. Uh, I think that they're absolutely going to win, I don't know, like 5-0, 6-0. I think 
I think Leo Messi is probably going to get carried hard by Neymar and Mbappe. Nah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I think he'll score a couple <laughs> goals. But um, oh, I you know I I think Messi is a great obviously a great player, but I I actually think that this season I think this is a season where Kylian Mbappe shows that he he actually is the best player in the world because he's he's gone off to a very good start. Um, and if PSG can win the trouble, then it it really puts Kylian Mbappe at the podium, right? That's all we have time for today. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being the great audience that you are. Uh, one thing that we're starting to look more into and do more of is getting more fan involvement. And for that, um, please follow our Football Masterminds page and send us a message if you'd like to come on the show as a guest or like to come on one of our weekly lives as well. We're starting that back up since next week. And we'll be posting short reels and uh, IG live as well. So Davar, where can people find you? In their hearts and in their minds. <laughs> this guy's answer every changes every time. <laughs> Russell, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Parc de Prance in uh, Paris. I am the new <laughs> chief executive supporter of PSG. Um, I don't know why you guys are laughing. I mean, it's not. It's true. I don't know. Um, but yeah, you can find me at RussellTone96. That's R-U-S-S-E-L-L. T-H-O-96. Uh, my new motto and slogan is Ici c'est Paris uh, <laughs> or Ici c'est Messi. That's me. <laughs> All right. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Don't forget to follow at Football Masterminds, F-U-T-B-O-L Masterminds. We are back for this season doing the EPL review show. Don't forget to check out our long ball preview show for the EPL as well. We're producing great content at the Mastermind site. And we'd love to have you on collaborating with us. So if you like us and if you want to be on the show, don't forget to send us a message and we'll get you on the show as a guest. Whatever your team might be, we'll figure it out and get you on and get you talking to us. I hope you enjoyed. Thank you and goodbye. Zoom!